This is CliffCentral.com. Good afternoon. My name is Sonia Booth. Welcome to the Opinion Booth. A few days ago at the dinner table, I noticed how preoccupied our eldest son was. I asked what was on his mind and he responded, nothing. I told him I knew something was bothering him and eventually he confessed that he was thinking about exam preparations. I tried my best, like any parent would, to put his mind at ease, to encourage him and to remind him of his academic performance thus far. He is in grade 8, but I can tell you the stress and pressure is tangible. 12 subjects that he's taken on made up of 14 papers which he has to write within a month. I can only imagine the stresses, anxiety and despair of matric, the biggest trial of your child's education thus far. My guest today will share her expertise and over 20 years of experience practicing in the field of psychology. She is a registered counseling psychologist and a lecturer at SACAP, South African College of Applied Psychology. Safe to say she is more than qualified to educate, enlighten and inform. She will advise parents and guardians on how best to support and prepare your Generation Z child. Gen Z refers to those born between 1995 and 2009. Anne Falkov, welcome to the Opinion Booth. Thank you very much, Sonia. It's lovely to be here today. Now, I can't believe I'm about to give my age away. (laughs) I wrote my metric exams in 1996. Enlighten us on the difference between the class of 96, that was me, and that of 2018. In as far as what the student needs in order to prepare for the exams and the stresses and anxiety that come with it, and also the parents in terms of giving support to the class of 2018 as opposed to class of 96? Yes, I think that's a good question. I think, Sonia, you know, 1996, although you were digitally, you started having, you know, Internet access and all of those things, but today's generation is absolutely digitally emerged. So you will find your child, you'll probably think, what on earth are they doing? But they'll be on the iPad, they'll be sitting in front of the television. At the same time, they'll be having a conversation with their friend at the same time. So, And you think, well, they're not concentrating on any of those, but they actually are. So they're great multitaskers. Um, so we often, I mean, be 1996, your method of studying was sitting for two or three hours, taking a break. This generation is very different. They prefer social learning. They prefer to to watch YouTube clips on education or somebody presenting a subject. They also enjoy learning with their peers, and and they do very well so. So their their attention span is also much shorter. So where you might have sat for the three hours, for them it's twenty minutes, and then they want to run out and grab a bite to eat, or and and others can study for longer for sixty minutes. But um, they they're very individual, and so I don't know if that answers a little bit of the difference in the generations. No, you 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 have um, explained the differences, you know, uh, between the different parenting styles that we have to adapt to keep up with the times, as yes. they say. 
But, you know, as, as, as a parent, you sitting there watching your child, as you said, busy on the tablet and then on the phone, they're on WhatsApp and then the next thing they're on a YouTube video and then they're also doing social learning. The first thing that comes to your parent's mind is, my child is so distracted. How can I get this child to sit and concentrate on one thing? We, we can't help but feel that way. That, that's the yes. initial reaction as a parent. Yes. I mean, yes. you, you watch your child and, and, and you just want to go and ask them, when are you going to study? But in actual fact, you are saying that that's how they are inclined and yes. they are okay. And they actually are studying like that. So hmm. they actually by engaging with their peers and watching YouTube clips and educational clips, for them that's the way that they learn. <laughs> you realize it's not easy for me to make peace it's, of that, right? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's really a shift in your mindset, you know, and I think to manage your own anxiety, especially if they get to matric, because everybody gets anxious. Oh, my goodness, what if they don't pass? What if they don't do well? What if they can't get into that degree? And what I would say to parents is, number one, stay calm. <laughs> Manage mm. your own anxiety. And you cannot write the exam for them. True. You know, you cannot secure the, the good results for them. True. And at this point down the line, at this time, the, the best you can do is to be supportive, encouraging, and to just to, for example, provide a, a structure. So have a have a structured home, not too much chaos. Let the little kids that are maybe noisy or the other siblings that are noisy, you know, tell them, look, brother or sister is writing matric and can we maybe run outside rather and provide nourishment as matrics always, most of them always want to snack if they're like mine and um and provide some some support and maybe a cup of tea. And when you see they feel a bit down, just to encourage them and say, you know, it's this is the last, it's the end, and you know, then your future lies ahead of you. So, mm. and apparently, mm. allegedly, <laughs> Gen Z possess traits such as higher IQs than baby boomers. Yes. Does that mean they can be left to their own devices in as far as exam preparation goes? You know, uh, it's difficult because I think you need to support them, but you cannot suddenly draw up a study, a study plan for them. Or a mind map for them. No, I, I think at this point, your belief in them and encouragement, you can gently encourage. If they've maybe been sitting in front of the TV playing, as my son does FIFA, 2019, and they're playing the, the, um, soccer to gently remind, you know what, um, can I bring you a cup of tea as you go back to your study, you know, to encourage rather than nag? Because I think the nagging, just they individualists. They they want to be seen as, as um, already adults, you know. So I think to trust that they've got the capacity to do that. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the name nag because nagging <laughs> is often associated with wives or partners. You know, you always get men who say, you know, my wife nags all the time. Uh, and here I am sitting when you're mentioning the word nag, I'm already thinking, mm, perhaps I've been doing that to my son without actually being aware that I'm nagging him. So are you then suggesting that it is a terrible idea to take away their gadgets during exam, during the exam period? Definitely. So I do think because 
like I said, that's, that's their learning platform. So, you know, if I've even, when I see my students, but even my own children, they are often, when there's exam up, they will ask each other questions, they will post answers online, they will WhatsApp, they set up WhatsApp groups. A great encouragement for you is I can, you can suggest maybe that they set up a WhatsApp study group or, a or have a Skype or with their friends or I don't know if they still do that. But mm, yeah, well, I'm, I'm yeah. not sure about Skype because no, I, I'm not sure I, about I Skype. I haven't done Skype in a long time. So I think the WhatsApp groups, the, you know, chatting to friends, encouraging maybe if they've got friends to come over and, and help them study and they can study together. Um, so yes. you're saying the Xbox can't be packed away either? PlayStation, no? Is that you're saying it's a bad idea for me to pack all that stuff away or pretend like it will, uh, it disappeared from the house? It's, it's not a good idea. Yes, no, no, I don't think it's a good idea, but you can't put down limits. So you can okay. say, you know what? It is exam. Maybe limit yourself to an hour or 15 minutes or half an hour. So if they do go and play for 15 minutes, not to have you know, a heart attack and start nagging and saying, when are you getting back to your studies? I'm asking all these questions because mm-hmm. I used to do that, you know, a couple of weeks before exam time, I would, I mean, he, he only started having a cell phone this year mm-hmm. um, in grade eight mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that was the mm-hmm. a- arrangement and agreement as a family mm-hmm. between myself and my husband and him, the 13-year-old this year. But one of the things that we used to do um, prior to him having a cell phone was that two weeks or a month before exams, we would pack away the Xbox. So now I actually feel bad that I'll, um, it was going to backfire at some point. So now the other scientific evidence, if I can call it that, is that the Gen Z have greater ambitions than millennials. I mean, that's that's a bit controversial. <laughs> But does that mean that they are the kind that, you know, um, have started exam preparation way in advance, meaning are they so well organized that um, when they say to you, I got this, um, you must just actually sit back as a parent and, as you said, have faith and um, believe that they got this and that they'll be all right? Well, that, that that's a difficult <laughs> That's difficult as a parent and as a psychologist to say because at this point I'm saying they're about to start exam. Mm. If they don't have it, would you rather help your child manage, help help them manage through the process and help them manage their own anxiety and help them do as well as they possibly can? Or would you kind of start a whole new process. I mean, it's too late. We, it's right at the end. And it's not, it's not too late to encourage them and to say to them, you know what, kind of just grit, get in there, try your best. So I'm not saying, you know, give them endless hours of Xbox or endless hours of PlayStation, but definitely put on limits, but also saying, you know what, I also trust that you're capable of doing this. Next year, they'll be at university or next year they'll be working. So you've also got to realize this is like the end of their school career and you can put pressure on, but I think they are already, you made the point, these, these generations that is very focused on wanting to solve problems. And they, um, I think they also have more anxiety than the previous generations. You know, they, they know what's happening with the planet. They know what's happening economically. They know what's happening politically. They're much more informed. So they feel the anxiety and the stress of the, of what's around them as well. And, um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers some of what. No, I agree with you because Mm -hmm. I think that the term that, uh, that's flying around now is woke. 
Gen Z is yes. definitely woke. Yes. As you said, they're very clued up. They're interested in politics. They're interested in current yes. affairs. You're not going to pull wool over their heads and, and think that you can fool them into believing whatever you want to believe or brainwash them, yes. right? So now another scientific evidence is that the Gen Z are well developed and they have a sense of responsibility. Does that mean they're not going to blame the teacher or moderator if they don't perform as well as they anticipated? Well, now that that also depends on what you know and the personality. So I think some would obviously blame the monitors or the exam um, monitors or the teachers, or maybe they might even blame you. But or blame the dog uh, for stealing the pen. Right? Exactly, something like that. But I think that's more personality thing. You know, I think it depends on the individual child, and most. You know, if parents kind of have approached their children and you've kind of laid the foundation, they will hopefully have a sense of their own responsibility that this is about them. This is not about achieving good results for anybody else. This is about their future and about taking responsibility for that. And I think we're very much seeing that in this generation. Now, how do you as a parent assist, help, monitor and supervise without inverted commas? Uh, cramping their style Because yes. remember that's how they talk Now you're yes. cramping my style My stop doing that yes. And doing so at the risk of seeming overbearing Because here you are as a parent You you you, you want to support them You want to assist them But you don't know where to draw the line Am I being overbearing Or am I giving my child Just mm. the right kind of support that they need It's not easy to gauge as parents No, it is. it's not easy And I think I think first thing you should be who you mustn't suddenly become a different parent. You know, I think be who you are. But I think this, I think the encouragement doesn't always have to be verbal. It can be encouraged around making sure that they've got lifts or, for example, transport to extra tuition and extra classes. Maybe that that's being organized. Um, um, during this exam, often they've, they sometimes have things like that at the different schools. Um, and then also making sure that there's healthy snacks in the house, um, encouraging word if you see that come out of this room and they're maybe taking a break, so how's it going? And, and maybe ask them, what's the content? What are you writing tomorrow? In that taking an interest but not putting, oh, you know, have you studied everything? Not getting your own anxiety in the way. And, um, and like I said, then the support in terms of making sure that there is things to, you know, for them to take a break if they want to go for a walk around the block. And like I said, keeping maybe the other noisy kids a little bit calmer or send them outside, you know, that kind of support. I think that, that's what they will appreciate. And of course, we all know that this is the best time for them to get away with murder per se, whereby they're going to say, well, I'm not doing my chores during the whole month of exam preparation because it's distracting me. I don't have time for that. Yeah. So does that continue yes. as, as normal? Does life continue as normal? Yes. Or should you give them as little responsibility or chores at home? Well, now that's a good question because that was actually on my list. And I'd say that I would cut back on the chores, you know, in terms of saying, you know what, this is by no means doesn't mean you're not ever going to do chores again, but to take I think some children get a lot of chores, so I think to take that pressure that they don't worry that you're going to be shouting at them because they didn't do this or they didn't put the cooking on or they didn't do that, and just say this is we really want to support you, and this is one way that we want to support you. The kids are going to be loving you right now. Oh, exactly. Saying no more washing dishes and Falcoff's 
said that. No dishes for the whole month. Wow. So now we've spoken about the positive traits of Gen Z. But fact is, we all have strengths and weaknesses. Yes. The Gen Z display higher levels of anxiety and depression. And you've already mentioned that. Yes. Why is that the case and how does that negatively affect them or how does it make them even more fragile, if I can use that yes. word? So I think, um, look, one, at the same time, they, re- they are resilient, but I think at the same time, they've got a, they can be distracted. So I think, like we spoke about the place of the Xbox, it can be a distraction to the point where it's not like just a break or taking a, a breather from studying. But the same with the, um, I think the, the anxiety per se, um, I think it's difficult for them sometimes to tune out what's happening around them. You know, there's always pressures, there's, um, they put on the news, they've got access to information all the time. And it might feel too much for them at times, you know, like how do we solve these big problems that's in the world? They also, I think, in South Africa, I think it's something like uh, they did a survey was that I think 72% of Generation Z feels unsafe and for their safety, you know, insecurity. Think about feeling, am I safe where I live? Am I safe? Is you know, those kind of issues that they have in the back of their minds. So I think... And this time to help them feel secure is, is really important, both emotionally and physically. And to, th- and to think that a couple of days ago, I think we were, we were not commemorating, but um, the world was recognizing mental health um, yes. issues. It was Mental Health Awareness Day, awareness, yes. Um, yes, awareness. day yes, a couple that, of days ago. That's correct. So the, the genes that are more prevalent to that. So they, they're not an easy generation to raise. No, you, you would no. have to agree with me. And yes. you've just mentioned the fact that they feel chronically unsafe. I think those are the words that are used by psychologists such as yourself mm, and mm, the, the, the medical mm, research. Mm. They term them as feeling chronically unsafe. Yes. That's hectic. That, that is hectic. I mean, as, um, I think what we can do is, is help them feel emotionally safe. So what we can do is help them feel that whatever problem they come to us and if they, if exam didn't go well, that they're not going to worry about how you, we are going to react as parents because I mean, they get in the car and you say, well, how did the exam go? And they say, well, really bad or they, and you just have a, and your heart kind of drops into your stomach. And I think at that moment to really manage your own anxiety. And I think, so their sense of maybe, the unsafety also probably comes sometimes from our anxiety because we, as parents, are often anxious about them and their safety. And we're reading news articles all the time of kids that get kidnapped and all these things that happen. And so we get anxious. I think they often absorb that anxiety from us as well. And I want to read um, a comment uh, based mm-hmm. on the post that I put out on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a mother who had this to say, um, Penelope Zintles Kosana, because I want your opinion on that or if mm-hmm. you want to add anything to assist other parents. Mm-hmm. So she says, both my parents have psychology backgrounds. So what worked for them was to simply give me space. Mm-hmm. A lot of things added to the stress, e.g. chores. 
which we've just spoken yes. about. So they relieved me of my duties for the exam period. Mm-hmm. A lot of people encourage healthy snacking during exam period, but honestly, that doesn't help much. So my parents let me junk it out. Satisfying the cravings works better as you don't spend 80% of the studying time thinking about junk food slash candy. Yes. So as much as it was bad, it really helped a lot. She goes on to say, they don't put pressure on me to excel. They simply encourage me to try my best and that's all that matters. Mm. This actually helped me to do much better than my peers who spent hours studying and constantly stressed out because they were being pressured by their parents. So my advice is let the kid be. Give them space, she says. Space is also a form of support, I believe. And satisfy those junk cravings, she goes on. Also, no pressure. And then she concludes, even though it's been years since I matriculated, mind maps work best. <laughs> Used it throughout university as well. Yeah. What is your opinion on all of that? I think that's great. I think what she's saying exactly, I think... Absolutely. Give your child space. And I, and I do agree. If you're suddenly going to cut out junk food completely, have the healthy snacks, but have a few junk food snacks. And I think, um, there's nothing with a good vitamin or to boost the vitamin B so they can concentrate. And, and I do, I do think that sense of that you believe in them, um, give them that security that they will be okay. And, um, and I think that's the most important thing you can tell your child. And then just overall then, if you just want to wrap it up, what is your advice to parents? What is your advice to kids? So I think my advice to parents would be encourage your child, be there, be present. Don't overwhelm them with your encouragement or your anxiety. And and just let them know that you believe in them and that this is not, it's one exam. And yes, it's a metric exam, but I always say that there's never a problem that's too big where there's not a solution for. So I think that if they fail, if there was a bad exam, it's not the end of the world. There's always a way to fix things. So I think, and to the students, I would say, be calm, take a deep breath. This too will pass. And you can only do your best. And thank you so much for sharing your tips, advice, and insight into this a very delicate topic. You have to agree, it is a delicate topic. It is, it is. Good luck to all the matriculants starting tomorrow and those starting in a few days. My humble opinion, after all, this is the opinion booth. Just like Anne said, have faith in your child and realize that no one will go out of their way to fail. Support, encourage, and remind your child that you love them unconditionally. Don't put pressure on them and don't make the mistake of comparing them to their peers or your friends' kids. We are all different. We have unique offerings and we are capable of achieving greatness given the right foundation and motivation. Aspire to inspire before you expire. This is cliffcentral.com.